0: Welcome to Behind the Art, a podcast developed by Rockhampton Museum of Art. In each episode of Behind the Art, we unlock hidden treasures and activities of the creative sector with a focus on visual arts. Conversations with artists, collectors, curators, conservators, researchers, educators and so many more they will demystify the world that is visual arts. Join us as we take you Behind the Art. Today on Behind the Art, Tess Maunder, Rockhampton Museum of Art Curator, chats with Caitlin Sorensen, Rockhampton Museum of Art Business Administration trainee. Caitlin has a background in graphic design and marketing. Since graduating university in 2017, Caitlin's been focused on expanding her professional graphic knowledge which ended in her moving to Brisbane, where she worked for a number of trade-based businesses, working in both digital and print media. During the circumstances in 2020, Caitlin saw an opportunity to move back to the Rockhampton region and start a new chapter working for the Rockhampton Museum of Art, which allows her to extend her knowledge both professionally and creatively. Caitlin holds a Bachelor of Digital Media majoring in Graphic Design. Caitlin holds a Bachelor of Digital Media, majoring in Graphic Design, Marketing, and minoring in Journalism. She also completed a Diploma of Professional Styling. She looks forward to using these skills further, whilst moving forward as a trainee with the Rockhampton Museum of Art. Growing up in Central Queensland, Caitlin has a strong interest in the creative hobbies that CQ had to offer. Performing in both theatre and dance, she has never been shy of performing and has set foot on the stage of the Pilgrim and Walter Reed stages many times. As she matured in age, she took a different route in her hobbies and now volunteers her time as a princess and superhero to help raise money, awareness and the spirits of sick and disabled children in the CQ area.
1: So, Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us here today for our Behind the Art podcast. Um, you are our 2021 trainee here at the museum and wider council. So tell us, did you ever imagine yourself working in a museum context? Um, I would love to hear about what you're hoping to get out of your year as a trainee with the Rockhampton Museum of Art and any initial thoughts you may have about the museum and your role in our team. I know you've just started, so this is a hard question, but I think it's good to reflect even from the beginning.
2: Yeah, um... Starting off with the whole, have you thought about working in a museum before? Um, I always saw myself working in a creative context. Um, I don't think I ever really cared where it was as long as, you know, I was able to, you know, create something and create for the community or people and have them be able to experience it. And I feel like an art museum, a museum in general, is like the perfect Place for that. So when this application came up for the traineeship, and I saw that the art gallery was in there, I, you know, slapped my hand down and went, "Yeah, I would give this a try." I think business is an important um, tool for anyone, and having a business business administration cert can really help and benefit me in the future. Um, you know, I would love to be able to pass this year, be able to see myself with council further, even with the museum further. Um, But being able to, you know, even if I don't have that business and be able to move on with the knowledge and experience I've learnt, I feel like it'd be, you know, it's a good little tool to have.
1: Absolutely. And I think you're absolutely right because, um, you know, many people look at the art world and they don't necessarily think of it as a business um, because it's inherently creative. But everything we do, um, you know, has can be tied back to business in some way. And everything that's made possible in the museum is only made possible through some sort of connection to, to business. So I think, um, acknowledging how important that is, is very important and obviously transferable, transferable
2: to, you know, a variety of different contexts. Yeah. And I mean, even in my first like couple of weeks here so far, I've learned that, you know, as a business or as a, Museum, we are a business um, and we still have to follow the same practices. So, you know, you have to save things in certain spots so, like, you can come back to it on a later date and um, still being able to be mindful and aware of, you know, how we're spending, where we're spending. Um, Art is worth you know, money (laughs) and just to put it in the way. And, you know, we have to be accountable for what we hold here at the museum and it all relates back to business. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great reflection. Thanks, Caitlin.
1: Um, So specifically, you'll be working um, with myself as curator and with our wider team in the curatorial and exhibitions team. So what that means is the team that is connected to business but in the rolling out of what we will see as we walk around the gallery. So let's talk about, because you're working with us, let's talk about your position on art. I know that you've got a creative background yourself and maybe we can talk a little bit about that too, but maybe just to give um, audiences a bit of understanding of who you are and what sort of art you like, um, tell us about your
2: favourite artist and why you like them. Um, so I did art all through high school. You know, you study Vincent Van Gogh. Um, we did Da Vinci, we did like modern Renaissance paintings and everything like that. In grade 10, we studied the pop art movement and we studied Andy Warhol. and I think it was the first time I ever connected with an artist, liked everything about the style and how he wanted to see art as something for everyone. And through his art, say he did a um A screen print of a can of uh, it was a bottle of Coke because they had glass glass bottles back then. Um, He went. Liza Minnelli drinks Coke, but the bum on the street also drinks Coke. And his artwork was very much, you know, it was for everyone. It wasn't just for one um, demographic. And when he did his the supermarket exhibition, I it just in a way for me as someone who never really. Was ever that good at painting or that good at drawing? It was. Well, I can still connect to this art without being um, an art critic of sorts. So yeah, I really connected with Andy, um, Andy Warhol, and then I went and did a deep dive on him. And I've watched his movie. Um, and yeah, I just if there was one person and one movement that I really enjoyed, it was the pop art movement. Absolutely. Um,
1: that's really super interesting to hear, Caitlin. And I think your, yeah, your reflections on pop art are very um interesting and relevant. And I think it's about, you know, Andy with someone and people, white people within that movement, and even today are people that have m- thought critically about how do we make art accessible, or even more basically, why isn't art already accessible? because it should be because, you know, um, why not, basically?
2: Yeah, I feel like art should be accessible for everyone and everyone should be able to enjoy art within their daily lives. Um, but, I mean, nearly everything that we do these days has some type of art to it. Um, say you get pick up a magazine, you pick up um, a box of cereal, it's all been created with a visual representation to it and I think being able to refer that back to art, um, pop art, is a very um, yeah, a very exciting thing.
1: No, you're absolutely right. For the, for the critics out there of, um, anything creative, it's, it's good to remember that everything around us has been created. We've had city plans, um, you know, safety designs being created a certain way. The reason why people pick a pair of shoes is a certain way. Um, everything has an intention, a creative intention. So as much as people might feel that, um, artisan for them, maybe they don't realise the the capacity and potential for design and creative intention and all that sort of stuff. Um, Pivoting on that, um, just to go off the question that I just asked you, I know that Caitlin, outside of your experience here with us at the gallery and the museum moving forward, um, you do have um, background as a designer and a graphic designer. I'd love to hear more about maybe your favourite moment in working in that realm.
2: Um, yeah, so I did a bachelor at university that ended with me being able to become a graphic designer, um, which is exciting for someone that has has always been arty but doesn't necessarily able to, you know, draw and sculpt and things like that. I'm able to use, say, a computer to create artwork or visual representations that are exciting. Um, I mean, for the last three years I've been working mainly in the safety industry, which is not the most artistic in words, um, but some of my most exciting moments was I was working for a safety company and I have a billboard in New Zealand that was solely designed by myself um, and a wall fitting, to so a wall shop out at a safety shop is my design, so the backing that all the products go on was designed by me and in a way it, people might go, oh, it's just a backing piece, why is that exciting? But when you walk into a shop, if there is a backing piece or a tag or something that catches your eye, what do you do? You walk towards it. You have a look. So if this backing piece brings people towards the clothing that is being represented by the backing piece, they might look at it and buy it because their initial reaction was that they walked over there just out of curiosity. Which I think is really, um, is another thing that speaks with art and design is that you're not always there to just make something pretty. You have a purpose behind things and I know a lot of artists do have purposes behind why they create certain pieces of art but even in the design world it's very similar. Like you want to be able to catch someone's eye or you want to be able to explain something in images or words. Um, Yeah, just to wrap it all up, yeah, it's just being able to create something that people will be able to see daily and they use daily is really exciting.
1: Absolutely. And I think, ironically, um, safety is so important for us here, transitioning from the Rockhampton uh, Gallery to the Rockhampton Museum of Art. Obviously, when we're now going for site visits, we've got to be super aware of PPE. Um, so it's it's interesting to think behind the scenes of the art world and how intrinsically safety and equipment might actually relate to the artwork that goes on display. So I think it's something you might have not thought to ever be relevant, but actually is so relevant.
2: Yeah, I never thought that my safety training, or um, I worked in power tools for a bit, and I never, when I was working there, I was like, "This is this is nothing. This is like just a job. I don't work with tradies." But then I had a um, a board on my window break in my house. I was able to fix it myself because I knew about the tools. Amazing. And then. Even working here when we're moving, you know, we need to have safety gloves. We need to have safety gloves that have grips on them. We need to have steel cap boots. We need to be able to have high vis on and hard hats and be like, it's just something little that not many people are like, oh, I've got a HH V6 on, but for the environment, I should have a V9 on, which I don't think people normally pick up, but it's something That's in my brain now that I'm able to use. Yeah, it's definitely
1: an extra layer of knowledge that's very important.
2: Um, And
1: even I know we've been having conversations about obviously to put a painting on the wall, um, it doesn't just magically appear appear when you click your fingers. There's a lot involved. Um, So even things like... preparing our workstations in order to install involves knowledge of tools and things like that. So, um, you're already super equipped with that knowledge, which is very exciting. Um, yeah. And going back to your experience of being a graphic designer, um, you know, obviously, as you said, it was a proud moment to see your work in that New Zealand context and, you know, that's an, an amazing achievement. So you should be really proud of that. Definitely. And I think you're absolutely right with, um, what you mentioned about the strategy behind visual merchandising, which again can be transferable knowledge to um, the design of an exhibition space. So where is the public going to enter this exhibition space? Okay, it's exactly the same, one could argue, as when someone enters a shop, where would we like to direct them towards What's, what's the product that we're amplifying this month? It's obviously... Look, some people in the art world probably wouldn't like me speaking about art in that way, but it is we do have to think about navigation and I do think it's nice to think about some transferable skills across things.
2: Yeah, and I mean I think the good thing about art is people are able to interpret art their own way. Not, It's not like math. You're not going to get the same answer as everyone else. Everyone sees art and interprets it differently depending on their circumstances, their standpoints. Um, And I mean, if we were trying to plan out, say, an exhibition, we wouldn't want them to start at the end where the, you know, the artist who designed it wanted that to be the last painting in the collection. We don't want that to be the first thing that they walk into. It's almost similar to how your grocery stores put your bread and your milk at the back so that you walk through everything else and pick up other things as you go. Um, There's a purpose behind things. And I, I think it is a very much a transferable skill that we can use for other things as well. Totally. I think that's a lovely synergy.
1: Um, So as yourself, I understand you're a local from Rockhampton and I know, Caitlin, you know, um, you spent time going to school here and you studied here and you spent some time going away and going to Brisbane and now you're back again. I think this moment in your life is very important. What does it mean to be someone who's come from a regional space, gone away to the capital and come back. Um, and what do you, I mean, I'll pivot off that, but I guess the reason for me asking is Rockhampton Museum of Art, we, we want to make it a huge, um, you know, an important part of the community. So I'd love to think with your position, you'll have really great insight into how we can help to do that.
2: Yeah. So, um, this one's a bit of a weird one cause I am a Rocky born and bred girl. Um, did all my schooling here, went to university here and then moved away to better my educational standpoint and, you know, get some experience in the workforce. Um, Coming back, I've noticed, my biggest thing I've noticed is there's no um, social life for people here. So when you're in Brisbane or you say Melbourne, Sydney, um, on the weekend people are like, oh, where are we going to go? Oh, we could go to Goma or we could, you know, go to the Maya Centre or... There's always something to do, whereas Rockhampton, I think, especially now with COVID, it's like catching up with friends. Oh, where do you want to go? Uh, The coffee shop. Stocklands. That's pretty much the only, you know, things that we have currently. And I feel like the Rockhampton Museum, Museum of Art once opened, I really hope that it can become a hub for people of all different ages to, you know, Someone goes, oh, what do you want to do this Friday? You know, we've all got the day off. What do you want to do? Oh, why don't we go to the Museum of Art? You know, we go down the riverbank. We could go and have morning tea somewhere and then go to the gallery and, you know, we can have our chat, but we can also experience art or cultures and, you know, learn something and be immersed in something different than just the normal CQ. Um, And it'd be nice. It's Very exciting, I think, being able to see it on the riverbank as well Mm. as um, someone who's seen the riverbank develop from what it used to be to what it is now, just being able to see that it's going to be this immersive hub for people just with everything that is down there. Um, You know, I'm very excited to be a part of it. Um, As someone who used to come to the gallery as a child myself, um, hopefully we can build it so more children, teens, teens, Um, mums families everyone will be able to come and enjoy the same thing absolutely
1: and enjoy the same thing and have their own perspectives hey which is what you just said before which is really important um that's super interesting on that note um I know that in another context you told us about a story of how you came to see a photography show at at um the gallery when you were younger tell us a little bit more about that now
2: um, so I was in probably grade nine, 10 at school. Um, one of my side hobbies is I have myself a DSL camera. I enjoy going out, taking landscapes. Um, there's some quirky places in Rookhampton that, you know, teen kids can take pictures of. We have the red bridge and just other little things around town that, you know, oh, a quirky little Instagram account that, a uh, you know, a 17 year old's creating. Um, I remember coming and seeing this exhibition, um, I begged mum. I was like, mum, there's a photography thing. We have to go see it. Um, and it was, I can't think of the name of the artist that did it, but what really stuck stuck in my head because they were, say, three like two metres by one metre blown up images, I remember seeing this one of a nightlife um, alley. And whenever I think about it, the first thing that sticks in my head on the back wall There was an image of a girl's mouth with a budgery gar sticking out of it. And every time I think about the art gallery, that is the first thing that pops into my head because that was such an eye-catching thing for me, Mm. I think. And just the idea that they've used photography in a different way. Mm. And it wasn't just, oh, a picture of a model or a picture of a girl. It was something that made you stop and look and the colours and just everything about it, it was really um, interesting. I remember loving it so much. I came back three times while the exhibition was on and I even bought the book. So the book for the exhibition is probably somewhere in my house, Um, (laughs) but it was, I think, one of the, like, the most memorable moments for Mm, me at the gallery. mm -hmm. So. Very interesting. And, um,
1: I'm not sure if you know, but that work that you're describing is in our collection. It is. It is. (laughs) So it'll be a work that hopefully you can see in person as you um, are here as a trainee with the gallery and maybe even see it in a different um, exhibition context. So There you go. Yeah, so it's very exciting. Um, So we'll learn more about that work. Um, Fantastic. So... And we've just been speaking about, you know, audiences and how important it is to engage with people. So I feel like that's a nice tangent to talk about some of your non-art work, or maybe we can consider it art and engagement. It depends on um, what you think, Caitlin. But I know that you've done some very inspiring volunteering work in the non-for-profit sector. Um, Can you tell us more about this
2: experience? Um, Yes. So we call ourselves ARC, which stands for the Alliance of Regional Cosplayers. We are a non non profit organization um, here in Rockhampton, um, made up of about there's twelve of us currently, I believe, and we dress up in superheroes, princess costumes, anything that kids recognize, things that kids are into, um, and we raise money um, for sick, sick children. Um, we do a lot with Starlight Foundation. Um, we also do hospital visits up at the base hospital at different times of year. Um, we also do things with disability Queensland and disability centers with, um, children with Down syndrome. We go do a disco with them once a year. Um, we do special children's Christmas party. Um, honestly, for me, I think it's one of the I don't know if it's something everyone thinks of, but they always think of some way that they can give back to their community. Mm. And for me, I've always been a creative person, an artsy person, and then when I found that I could cosplay as an adult, I realised that I could do something to make other people happy with it. Um, I currently do Elsa. Um, I made my Elsa costume from scratch. Uh, it took 14 seasons of Grey's Anatomy to sequin my bodice. Oh, <laughs> Um, yes, I don't count hours. I count seasons of Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) I'm technically a brain surgeon if you think about everything that I learned there. (laughs) Um, but on the weekend, we have a group on Facebook. So people message us and say, hi, we have this event coming up. It raises money for, um, different, different charity. Um, we would love to have you come along and help out, um, I run the Facebook page currently with another gentleman who works for the council. Um, He goes by Three Cat Cosplay. He does Batman. His Batman is like dead on. Um, He's one of those ones that he doesn't even smile when he's in his Batman costume. He's such a Batman. The kids love him. But um, we work together to organise events, uh, make sure that everything logistics-wise, so there's insurance, making sure that we have a room to get changed so that we don't break the magic for the kids when we walk out of our cars half an Elsa with your wig in your hands. Um, And then basically how long we're going to be at the event, if there's room for us, if there's shade, Um, getting to know the audience. So we do take special children's Christmas party differently than we do, say, uh, Starlight Fundraising where it's just the general public. We say we're doing special children's. We know that we have bullards in front of us. We know that the children that we are working with um, have different needs. Some have ASD, some have, um, um, learning difficulties and we just need to treat them, everyone exactly the same. Um, every kid that comes up to me, um, you know, hello princess, how are you doing today? Like you talk to them as if you are the character, like you're a Disneyland character. Um, I mean, I've been in a corset and wig for 16 hours once, but it was worth it because of the amount of kids that you get to involve yourself with, um. Yeah, so that is my my weekends, uh, my days off. Um, I've been doing that since 2015 now and I don't think I will stop for a while.
1: (laughs) Yeah, as I said to begin with, I think that's very inspiring Um, and, again, very transferable to a museum in terms of how do we think about engaging with our public and our public is everyone, Um, everyone that you just described, so I think that's really interesting. For those that are listening at home and don't know what cosplay is can you can you give us a 101
2: <laughs> um, so cosplay in Japanese um, breaks down to cos and play so costume play it's basically where you dress up like a character so my example is Elsa I make a costume that is most accurate to look like her in the movie um, I have you know the platinum blonde wig I braid it I do my makeup. I wear contact lenses to make my eyes the same colour as hers. Um, when we are doing children's events, we do also, you know, play the character. We act as if we are the character. It's almost like you are a, um, as I said earlier, a Disneyland character, so like a, a costume for hire person at a, a Disneyland. We, yeah, dress up in the costumes as accurately as possible and portray the character to the children.
1: Yeah. Amazing. Incredible. And how did you start to, where did you get on to cosplay? Where did that come from in terms of you personally?
2: Yeah. Back in the days of the deep, dark Tumblr. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I stumbled upon it once. Um, I was just on Tumblr one night as most, you know, 16-year-olds do. And I came along, someone dressed up as Avatar The Last Airbender characters. And Mm -hmm. I was, wait, this is a thing? I can do this and basically, you know, Google search has happened, YouTube search has happened and I stumbled upon this community and yeah, from there I've just, it's been a snowball effect and it hasn't stopped uh, snowballing yet.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, Pivoting as well, I guess you just spoke about Tumblr and I know that, um, your knowledge of social media is also one of your skills and it's definitely something that we're asking you to help us here at the gallery um, in terms of capacity and um, getting across all of the different social media. In the world of the digital, not necessarily just social media but everything digital, um, I just wanted to ask you what your favourite application or software was and why and, and how do you think the
2: art world can better use
1: technology or social media to connect to audiences?
2: I feel like this is a really good question um, to start off with because when I was in high school, university, even now, I'm a, I am like watercolors. I like playing with watercolors. I think it's just such a creative medium. I've just started using Procreate on the iPad and found out that I can get a full range of watercolor stencils through Procreate so I can create watercolor-based applications without the mess or without... The actual equipment; it can all be done on digitally on the um, on the iPad, um, which is really exciting because I've been finding it's really fun for invitations and watercolor just backgrounds and for social media and things like that. Um, only thing is, in real life, when you're painting, you can't just control Z and take back what you did. So I feel like there is more freedom in um, Procreate illustrator Photoshop. I feel like there's such a, this variety of ways that you can experiment further. Whereas if you're painting something and you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I should add this pink, you add it, you don't like it. You're like, well, that's a square now. one. <laughs> Whereas in the creative process online or uh, well, digitally, you go, mm, I'm not sure if I want this font or that font oh, well, we'll try them both Mm. and you can just control Z or duplicate um, layers and play with it that way, which I think for artists in a way it allows them to creatively explore more. Mm. Um, I really do hope that in the future your more conventional, say, pen, paper, paints doesn't get lost because of digital work. Mm. I feel like they work very well together together um, I have a friend who does a stall at your conventions. She does um, keychains and fan art on different anime series. And what she does, which I think is a great example, is she sketches them out by hand. Then she takes an image of it on her iPad and um, sketches it digitally from there and then she can manipulate it and warp it and change it and have a finished product in the digital area but she always starts in paper first. Um, and I feel like you could vice versa that as well. Say you wanted to do a mood board for something, you could always start it on your computer, you know, oh, well, I like the head of this person, but I want the flow of this fabric. You could put them together in Photoshop and then take them further and paint them if you would like as an example. So I, my hope for the future is that the digital and the physical art worlds don't cancel each other out but work together.
1: Mm, Yeah, I think that's so good. I think it's really great that you have that awareness as well and I think it's definitely um, something that a lot of people in the art world are engaging with and grappling with and I think um, I'm confident that they won't um, because I know that even one might argue that with the rise of the digital, there's been a lot of people that have gone back to traditional or been like your friend in integrating things together and how do we make the process um, work together. So I think um, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Hopefully we can be multiplicities of things at once and, you know, learn from all different aspects, which is really nice. Um, Caitlin, I'm really excited to see what this year brings for you personally as a trainee here with the Museum of Art. I am so excited, yes. Um, Thank you for joining our team and thank you for joining the podcast today and It'll be interesting to see um, perhaps to do another one of these at the end of the year and to
2: learn more about um, what you achieved and worked on all throughout the year. I'm excited to see how much I grow, um, not just as a person with professional admin skills but also my art knowledge and maybe even my art taste might change a little bit with different influences and things like that. So very exciting times. Yes. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank you.
0: the Art is brought to you by Rockhampton Museum of Art. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing as there will be more releases every week. And if you want to catch up on previous episodes, you can find them at the Rockhampton Museum of Art website or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for all the latest news and information about the Rockhampton Arts community and exciting new developments coming soon. Thank you.